Hey, just wanted to add my welcome uh, to the of Libbies. Um, if I've not met you yet, uh, my name's Paul, and I have the joy of serving here at P's and G's. I'm an associate rector, uh, 12 weeks in, so still quite new. Uh, I'd love to meet people, and if you are new, I'd love to uh, chat to you a little bit later at the welcome cheese and wine afterwards, so do pop along to that. We are uh, in the middle of a theme, God is Stranger, uh, and tonight we're going to be looking at the character of Naomi. Naomi is a woman who's had a spate of bad news, like it couldn't get any worse. If you haven't read the book of uh, Ruth, Naomi is found uh, in the book of Ruth. If you have never read the book of Ruth, I'd really encourage you to do it. It's like five chapters long, four chapters long even, and it's really short. It's a great, great book. I really encourage you to do it. But we're going to flick the lights down in a moment and we're going to uh, start our talk by watching a seven-minute um, animation overview of the book of Ruth. I couldn't do it justice by giving a little Bible verse and then teaching from it. You kind of need to see the big picture. You need to see what God is doing, how he weaves his wondrous way all the way through the book. And we're going to have this uh, little animation that gives an uh, overview of it. So sit back. Get comfortable, the lights will go down and popcorn will go around, I'm not joking. So look out for the popcorn, enjoy the little uh, seven minute clip. The Book of Ruth, it's a brilliant work of theological art and it invites us to reflect on the question of how God is involved in the day-to-day joys and hardships of our lives. There are three main characters in the book, Naomi the widow, Ruth the Moabite, and Boaz the Israelite farmer. And their story is told in four chapters that are beautifully designed. Let's just dive in and see how this all unfolds. Chapter one opens with this line, in the days when the judges ruled. And it reminds us of the very dark and difficult days from the book of Judges. And here we meet an Israelite family in Bethlehem, struggling to survive through a famine. And so in search of food, they move on to the land of Moab, Israel's ancient enemy. And there, the father of the family dies, and the sons marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And then the sons, they die too. And so they leave only Naomi and these new daughters-in-law. And so Naomi, she has no reason to stay anymore, and so she tells her new daughters-in-law that she's moving back home. And Naomi, she knows that the life of an unmarried foreign widow in Israel is going to be very hard, and so she compels the women to stay behind. Orpah agrees. But Ruth does not. She shows remarkable loyalty to Naomi. And she says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people will become my people, and your God will become my God. And so the two of them return to Israel together. And the chapter concludes with Naomi changing her name to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew. And she laments her tragic fate. Chapter 2 begins with Naomi and Ruth discussing where they're going to find Food. And it just so happens to be the beginning of the barley harvest. And so Ruth goes out to look for food, and it just so happens that she ends up picking grain in the field of a man named Boaz, who just so happens to be Naomi's relative. We're told that Boaz is a man of noble character, and he notices Ruth. And so after finding out more about her story, he shows remarkable generosity to her. He makes these special provisions so that the immigrant Ruth can gather grain in his field. And in doing so, Boaz is actually obeying an explicit command of the Torah to show generosity to the immigrant and the poor. Boaz is so impressed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. He prays for her that God will reward her for her boldness. 
So Ruth comes home that day, and Naomi finds out that she met Boaz, and she is thrilled. She says Boaz is their family redeemer. Now, this family redeemer thing, this was a cultural practice in Israel where if a man in the family died and he left behind a wife or children or land, it was the family redeemer's responsibility to marry that widow, to take up the land and protect that family. So Naomi, she begins to hope that perhaps there might still be a future for her family. Chapter 3 begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan to get Boaz to notice their situation. So Ruth is going to stop wearing clothes of a grieving widow, and she's going to show signs that she's available to be married. And so Ruth goes to meet Boaz on the farm that night. And as she approaches, Boaz wakes up, and he's totally startled. And Ruth makes her intentions very clear. She asks if Boaz will redeem Naomi's family and marry Boaz is once again amazed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi and her family, and he calls Ruth a woman of noble character. It's the same term used to describe the woman of Proverbs 31. So Boaz tells Ruth to wait until the next day, and he will redeem both Ruth and Naomi legally before the town elders. And so the chapter ends with Ruth returning to Naomi, and they marvel together at all of these recent events. In chapter 4, it all comes together. It turns out, at the last minute, Boaz discovers there is a family member who's closer to Naomi than he is, and he's actually eligible before him to redeem the family. But at the last second, this family member finds out that he's going to have to marry Ruth, the Moabite, and so he declines. But Boaz, remember, he knows Ruth's true character, and so he acquires the family property of Naomi, and he marries Ruth. And so just at the beginning, how Ruth was loyal to Naomi's family, so now Boaz is loyal to Naomi's family as well. The story concludes with a reversal of all of the tragedies from chapter 1. So the death of the husband and the sons is reversed as Ruth is married again and gives birth to a new son, granting joy to Naomi. And this symmetry between the opening and the closing, it's even more remarkable. So remember, the opening tragedy was followed by a great act of loyalty on the part of Ruth. And that is now matched by Boaz's act of loyalty that leads to the family's final restoration. And this symmetry, it highlights the design of the internal chapters as well. So each of the chapters begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan for their future. And that's followed by a providential meeting between Ruth and Boaz, and each chapter concludes with Naomi and Ruth rejoicing at what's taken place. This story is beautifully designed, and that design actually connects with a really interesting feature of the story, and that's how little God is mentioned. Right, the characters talk about God a few times, but the narrator actually never once mentions God doing anything directly in the story, and that's its brilliance. Because God's providence is at work behind every scene of this story, weaving together the circumstances and choices of all these characters. So Naomi, her tragedy leads her to think that God is punishing her. But actually, the whole story is about God's mission to restore her and her family. And he's doing so through Ruth, through her boldness and loyalty, which brings healing to Naomi's life. But not without Boaz, who's a no-nonsense farmer, who's full of generosity and loyalty. And so God uses his integrity combined with Ruth's boldness to save Naomi and her family. And so this story brilliantly explores the interplay of God's purposes and will with human decision and will. 
God weaves together the faithful obedience of his people to bring about his redemptive purposes in the world. And that leads to the real end of the story. The book of Ruth concludes with a genealogy, showing how Boaz and Ruth's son, Ovet, was the grandfather of King David, from whom came the lineage of the Messiah. And so all of a sudden, these seemingly mundane, ordinary events in this story are woven into God's grand story of redemption for the whole world. And so the book of Ruth invites us to consider how God might be at work in the very ordinary, mundane details of our lives as well. And that's what the book of Ruth is all about. That's great. Well, there's a lot to take in there. We kind of had to lean in and kind of take on board. And for those of you who like to hear it uh, rather than see it, maybe you learn by um, audio then, let me just really recap just kind of what's just happened there. Just pick up some highlights of the book of Ruth there, some key events. We saw at the beginning of that little animation that Naomi has lost so much stuff. Like she is in pain her faithful daughter-in-law uh, stayed with her as uh, she has to leave her land, go to a different land. She's told by um, uh, Ruth of a man called Boaz who wants to help them. Naomi's spirits are lifted suddenly and she's hopeful again. Naomi hatches a plan with her daughter-in-law Ruth. Ruth and Boaz are eventually married and the story is a redeemed story. But we also see from that text and from the book of Ruth, and particularly the, the character of Naomi, that this book is split into two halves, part one and part two, or A and B. The first part is tragedy and death. Like it's a pretty grim start at the start of the book of Ruth. You read it and you're like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of death. That's a lot of hardship. But it's also a story of hope and redemption as well. So it's split into these two parts. And I've structured my talk in the same way. I'm going to address the tragedy and death, because let's be honest, we don't talk about it that often. I think at one point, sex was the kind of taboo thing that you don't talk about. And arguably, you could probably say that death is the thing these days that we just don't talk about. And I want to address that, and I want to look at that and just say, that's a real thing. For Naomi, that was a real thing. She's lost a husband. She's lost her two sons. Like, that's not nothing. And that's where you read the beginning of the book and you say, wow, the narrator started right there with where she is at, with tragedy and pain. So without ignoring that, I'm going to address that. But you'll be glad to know that I'm going to move on to hope and redemption and the story of Ruth, the character of Naomi, is redeemed and restored because God is a good God who's working all things out for good. So part one then, we see poor Naomi. Now biblical scholars liken Naomi to the Old Testament character of Job. Job was a character who pretty much lost everything. And scholars will say when you look at Naomi and you read her story, she's pretty much like a Job. She's like a female Job. Naomi has lost so much. We see that she loses her home. She's lost her homeland, the place where she's comfortable, the place where she has plenty. She's from a place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. It's quite ironic then that there's a famine and that they're starving. They're not in a place of plenty and she's driven out of this place. 
She then loses her husband. Like these guys have got memories together. They've got a favorite meal together. They've got maybe a favorite type of music that they listen to. They've got a favorite place that they go to. She's lost that person. She has lost her husband. She becomes a single parent. She's got two sons, and despite them being married for 10 years, they don't have kids. And in a culture where children, and especially boys, were important to carry on the name, that's quite a difficult thing also for poor Naomi in this season. She's left with two daughters-in-law to provide for, but she's too old to work. Life's not great for Naomi, you could say. And we see that Naomi could have easily fell to her knees. She could have fallen to her knees and screamed out, God, where are you? You are stranger to me. God, you are stranger to me because of the situation I find myself in. Where on earth are you in the midst of this? And you get a, a hint of this because Naomi actually changes her name. Naomi, which means pleasant one, changes her name to Mara, which means bitterness. And when she's asked about that, she says, well, God's afflicted me. All this stuff that's kicking off, God's afflicted me. Like, he must have left me because of all the things that's gone on. She's deeply sat dissatisfied. She's overwhelmed by the death and disaster, and she's lost all sense of who she is. So now Naomi is redefining herself by the bitterness that she feels. When I read that, it really spoke out to me. I had to kind of go back and listen to that again. Naomi's redefining herself by the bitterness that she feels. It's quite easy, isn't it, sometimes to define ourselves by what's happened to us in life. Like we redefine ourselves because of things that have happened in our past or our current situation. We begin to live out this narrative and even take on a posture, a position, a mentality, an attitude, or whatever it is. Naomi's redefined herself and renamed herself bitterness because she feels so bitter, so sad inside. And you know, whether you believe in God or not, whether you attend church or not, whether you live a good life or not, life can be hard, can't it? Let's be honest, like, let's not fake it. Life can be hard at times. It can be difficult. And we know that God never said it was going to be easy. He did say that he's always going to be with us. Like Emmanuel, he is always with us. God with us, that's his name. There's a, a psalm that I love, Psalm verse 46, and it says this, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. And I love that phrase, a very present help. So it's saying, look, there's moments where we need a refuge, we need strength, difficult times come, but God is very present in their moments. And when you read the book of Ruth and you look at the character of Naomi, you see actually that God is very present. He isn't removed, he's not a stranger. He's right there in the detail, weaving his way all the way through her story. We know, of course, that we are more than the things that happen to us in life. God is working all things for good. He's restoring things. He's redeeming our stories, uh, including our mind. He's, in, he's redeeming the world. He's re redeeming us personally, us collectively, and myself. 
The great thing is that we belong to a bigger story. If you just look at the beginning part of, of the story of Ruth, you're like, oh my goodness, Like, where's the hope here? How's this going to be redeemed? How are they going to bring this back round? But when you put it in the bigger story, in the bigger picture, when you read the full book, or when you see script and you stand back to the narrative of what God is doing, we see that we belong in a bigger story. We, believe in, we belong in his story. We believe, belong in God's story, a redemptive story. I was thinking recently about my story, and I was thinking about redemption. And I remember a time in my life um, where it was a dark time for me. I remember falling down on my knees and screaming silently in pain, God, where are you? God, where are you? I hadn't long lost my dad. My dad died uh, at the age of 59 of a brain hemorrhage. I was by some means a young dad. I had two new uh, young children. I was sleep deprived. I was knackered. I had family that lived at the other end of the country, so I wasn't really supportive. I was grieving. I just helped set up a church in central London. I was aware of, of just people watching. How do you grieve? How do you do ministry? How do you do life when you lose a parent? How do you be a parent? And how do you fit all this in the story of God? And it was a difficult, dark time where God, to be honest, felt like stranger, where God was kind of felt a bit removed. I was like, God, where are you? Where are you? I was in a world of pain. This kind of pain of, of losing my dad was, was added to the fact that I couldn't say goodbye. I was at the other end of the country, uh, and he died instantly uh, in, his, in the kitchen. They found him in the kitchen, and I couldn't say my goodbyes to him. That, again, was added to the pain of losing him. But it was also added to the fact that I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. My dad uh, struggled with schizophrenia, and all through my childhood, we had this really difficult relationship. I was just on the brink of restoring, redeeming that relationship, and then he passed so all this pain that I'm feeling, lost my dad. There's, there's no road left to redeem it. I couldn't say goodbye. I was in that place that Naomi was in at the beginning of the chapter of just grieving, of just saying, God, I, I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I really need you. I don't know where you are. You're stranger to me. Well, thankfully, God is a redeeming God. And like the story of Naomi in the book of Ruth, you see that God raises up people and brings about redemption. He brings people in Naomi's path to bring about redemption and restoration. God did the same for me. And it's amazing when I look back. Maybe for some of us, we're in that place. Maybe not. we haven't physically lost someone. We're not physically grieving the loss of somebody. But maybe we are saying, God, where are you? I've had an awful day, I've had an awful week, Lord, I've had an awful year, whatever it is, I don't know where you are. Maybe you are grieving the loss of something, a career that never happened, something that actually never materialized and surfaced, and you're just kind of at a bit of a loss, and you're saying, God, you feel stranger to me, you feel like you're far. Let me bring encouragement tonight and say that God is redeeming and restoring all things, that that is a part of a chapter that's part of a great book. And God is restoring and redeeming all things. I'd love to pray with you later if that's you and you'd love some prayer. There's a prayer team that's going to be praying for people uh, during communion and after communion. So do uh, take advantage of that. 
You know, my prayer um, that I said, God, when I was on my knees screaming out silently not to wake the kids, God, where are you? I, I, I quickly realized, and actually in retrospect, it was a silly question. It was a silly question to say, God, where are you? Because when I look back, he was everywhere. Like his fingerprints were all over my life, all over the situation, all over the church, the ministry, my family. Like he was holding us. In retrospect, saying, God, where are you? was silly because he was right there, as close to me as, as ever. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking it's a little bit like saying, if you're saying, God, where are you in the midst of this? It's a little bit like being on the Royal Mile and standing there in August and kind of looking around and saying, where's the fringe? Where's the Fringe Festival? Anyone seen the Fringe Festival? And you're like, are you joking? Like, it's all around. Like, there's the Fringe Festival. There's the Fringe Festival. Like, it's behind you. It's in front of you. Do you know you're in the Fringe Festival? You're actually in the Fringe Festival. You're in the Fringe Festival. It's a little bit like going to Oxford and saying, hey, where, where's the university? It's like, it's everywhere. Like, it is everywhere. And God is everywhere. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm, he's in the boat. Like, he's there. He's all over it. It's sometimes difficult to see, but if we allow him to, just to show us, to reveal where he is and who he's, who he's bringing into our lives, it's an amazing thing because he's working all things for good. That's the story of Naomi that, that God got involved in the day-to-day -day of her life. It's a redeeming story. What starts out as her being homeless, a refugee, with death and tragedy, there's a switch. There's a turn, and it begins to turn to hope and restoration. Naomi experiences God weaving her past story in the person of Boaz. He was a distant relative. He weaves her past story into her present situation in the person of, hero, of Boaz, in the person of Hero. He should have been called Hero. Um, and Boaz becomes the hero in the story. This distant relative steps in and really brings about an amazing redemption in the story. It just so happens that Boaz was a distant relative. It just so happens that he was of noble character. In chapter 2, it says that. It just so happens that he's generous towards uh, Naomi and his daughter, her daughter-in-law. It just so happens that he agrees to marry Ruth to fight for her and to redeem the family. Through this man called Boaz, who we saw earlier, his generosity and open-hearted, this farmer who creates a job for her, who redeems her, who provides for her, is really the saviour in the story. And because of his kindness, it brings hope to Naomi in the midst of all of that. Her heart begins to beat again, as it were. She begins to see life again, and she sees God. God in the midst of it through the person of Boaz, through his generosity and kindness as he's redeeming her story. What does he do though? He, he's kind to her. He takes serious the traditional laws that were there at the time about leaving an edge around the field so that they could glean. So the people that didn't have much money, they could come, they could collect all the stuff that wasn't harvested. So it was a generous thing. He left that for her. He also provided her with a job. He gave her her job. He protects her. He says to his um, employees, he says, listen, don't touch her. Don't you lay a hand on her. She's a great lady of noble character. Don't touch her. He also says to Ruth, he says, look, if you're thirsty and you're hungry, just use the jars that the men have filled up. You can take that. You can use that. Boaz shows incredible kindness, generosity, and through his 
ministry, as it were, Naomi is being restored. She draws close to God, and the bitterness that Naomi feels begins to turn and go, and it begins to dissolve, and she becomes the pleasant one again. She spontaneously breaks out in praise and worship to God because of Boaz. Chapter 3 in the book of Ruth shows Naomi beginning to turn around, beginning to think differently. And we see this amazing moment where Naomi goes to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and she says, look, you need to stop wearing the clothes of a grieving widow. Like, you need to change your clothing. Like, I know you've lost your husband and you've lost your sons, but now's the time to take the clothes off of a grieving, grieving with widow. And when I read that, it was like God was like, Oof. and it was like, wow. And I was just kind of like drawn to that. And I was like, wow, are there moments in our lives where we're wearing the clothes of something that we don't need to be, wearing the identity of something that we don't need to be? Ruth was wearing the clothes of a grieving widow. And her mother in law said, it's time to change. It's time to take them clothes off. You don't need to wear them anymore, but put on new clothes. And by her putting on new clothes meant that people around could see that she was available. She was available to be married again. She was available to be restored again. She wasn't in the black sackcloth of clothes that was redefining her. She was saying, take that off. It's a new chapter. It's a new season. You're available to God's redeeming story and his redeeming plan. I wonder if some of us maybe need to take them grieving clothes off. The things that we wrap ourselves around, the identity that we think has defined us as people because we lost that job, because we lost in that situation, because this didn't happen or because that happened. Hey, and I know that's difficult. I'm not saying that's not difficult. But maybe God's inviting us into a new chapter and saying you need to remove them clothes, remove them, them garments that you've been wearing for so long because I'm calling you into a new chapter calling you to a new season. I've got great things for you. I'd love to pray with you if, if that's you. We, we'd love to, as, as uh, the prayer ministry team, just lay hand on you and just invite you into a new season, a new chapter. If that's where you feel God is moving you into. Maybe we're stuck with a habit or, or, or a lifestyle, a pattern that we just need to just shake off and remove and ask God by his power of his spirit to take off that garment and to step into a new thing. The second half then of, of this really is the redemption. It's the hope. It's the joy. It's the new life. And it comes in the form of the birth of Ruth's son. So if you remember the beginning of the story, Naomi's lost two sons. The end of the story ends with Naomi being placed into her arms a new grandson, Ruth and Boaz's son. What an amazing picture um, of life. What an amazing picture of restoration. What an amazing picture of God stepping in and using the community around, using Boaz to redeem, using uh, Ruth to be faithful and loyal, to stay with Naomi in it, to restore and redeem the situation. God used this community that was around Naomi to bring restoration to her, that she would sing out to God and praise him for all that he has done. Well, like the community that was around uh, Naomi, Boaz and, and Ruth, who played a part in it, I look back in my story and in my journey, and I praise God for the community that he put around me 
to play part in my restoration, in my ongoing journey of redemption, the community that God put around me at that time. And I remember the first Sunday back at church after losing my dad, and I didn't want to be there. And I, and I kind of said to my family, look, we'll go, but I'm going to sit at the side, uh, and, you know, in the corner where it's dark, and we're going to sit there. I'm not going to sit on the front, can't do the front, but I'm going to sit on the side, and we're going to go, and we're going to leave as soon as it's finished. I don't want anyone to talk to me. <laughs> All these conditions, you know. Poor Katie's like, okay, we'll try and make that happen. So we go to church on the first Sunday back after it all happened. And I'm in, I'm in grief and I'm, I'm grieving and I'm in pain and so on. And I'm sitting in the corner right against the wall. Kind of like, you know, just not really trying, not entering in. Kind of sobbing my way through the worship, you know. And I was just wanted to get out. And I just wanted to, as soon as it finished, just leave. And at the end of the service, I found myself kind of shuffling out and I just looked down because I didn't want to make eye contact with anybody. But I shuffled through the pew out to the end of the pew to get out and to get out of the building. And as I got to the end of the pew and I looked up, the whole of my connect group was standing there in a circle around me with gifts and cards and hugs and tears and prayers. And they just stood there. Most of them didn't say anything. But I knew where their heart was. And they were just there. And they played a massive part in bringing redemption and restoration. Just like in our story, the community around Naomi loving me back into life. Loving me into a place where I was to one side. They brought me back. They redeemed me. They brought me out of this place of just wanting to disappear and just to not engage. And they played a part in restoring me. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you're saying, I'm going to be that person. Like, I want to be the Ruth that stayed with Naomi in a difficult time. I want to be like the Boaz who's generous and kind to the people who need it. I want to be a person who redeems and sees people's lives completely turned around and transformed. I want to be that person. We'd love to pray for you and bless that and say, yeah, we, we just want to say yes to that. You can be that. God is asking you to step in. He uses people. P's and G's does this naturally. Like you guys watching, being here for 13 weeks and just watching how you are as a community in loving people who are grieving and in pain. It's incredible. You do it so naturally. And I really want to just bless that and affirm that and say, it's inspiring to watch you guys do this. Let's keep on doing this collectively, individually as well to others because God uses others, puts arms around us to restore us and to love us through people. It's often through the people that we least expect it, that he redeems us. Let me finish uh, with this story. It's a missionary story and it's a story um, of a married couple that go out to a faraway country they go to one of these countries where actually Christianity has never been preached. And actually, amongst certain tribes, it's actually quite dangerous. There can be persecution. It can be quite hostile at times. But this couple go out, uh, and they're there for a while, and they're making a bit of ground, and they're seeing a bit of, of traction. They're seeing a bit of uh, conversion. People are finding Jesus, and it's really encouraging. It's really great. And then this one morning, the husband goes out and he goes into uh, the local place. He goes in amongst the tribe and it kind of kicks off. It gets a bit hostile. And the wife's left at home and she's just kind of waiting for the husband to return and he doesn't come back. And the husband goes out and at this moment when he's preaching and he's talking about Jesus, it gets nasty, it turns ugly and he's actually murdered there 
in amongst the tribe. Obviously, in a world of pain, the wife is left at home and word gets back to her and she's beginning to grieve. God, where are you? You're a stranger in the midst of this. Where are you? Eventually, uh, an old retired uh, clergy that's out in the country too comes by to visit and he drops in on the widow. And as he walks into the house, he sees the, the, the young wife sobbing in the arms of an elderly lady. And she's just holding the wife. She's holding her close. The wife looks up and sees that it's the minister. And she says to the minister, where is God now? Where is God now? And the minister thinks about it for a little bit. And he kind of looks lovingly and smiles at her. And he looks at the arms of the old lady. And he puts his hands on the arms of the old lady. And he says he's here. God is here, he's right here in the arms of this old lady who holds you. He's as close as the old lady's arms. Been times in my life where the arms that have held me have been like the arms of Jesus. Libby shared a similar story, didn't she, a few weeks back. There's a great story in the book of Ruth of Naomi where the people around her that held her through that time were like the arms of Jesus. They restored her. They loved upon her. They walked her through and they saw her life restored, redeemed, and the end of the story turn out in a great way. Ultimately, when Jesus comes back, all things will be made well. This side of eternity, we experience glimpses and redemption to some point and some level, healing to some point and some level. And we long for more. But let's just see what Boaz did as we finish. God was present in the story of Naomi, in the arms of Ruth, who clung to her, in the arms of Boaz, who showed kindness and generosity to her, agreeing to marry her, going to the city gates where all the legal stuff happened, and fighting for her. Some of us have been fighting for our friends, haven't we? We've been standing like Boaz does and just contending for them in prayer. Keep going. Like be the Boaz. Be the person who's just clinging to the person who needs it, maybe your friend or flatmate. He brought life back to them in more ways than one. He gave them a son. He redeemed this, the family by providing for them. The story starts with death, but it ends in life. A son being placed in Naomi's arms. A great story of redemption. We're going to come to communion uh, in a moment. And that there is the greatest story, isn't it? Like Jesus running to the pain, to the chaos, literally giving his arms to wrap around the world, giving himself, redeeming and restoring our story, our sin, our pain, restoring and redeeming us. And we remember that in the cross. So as we take that, remember that Jesus is the greatest redeemer. We see it all through scripture, but we see it in the person of Jesus as well. I'm gonna invite the band to come and I'm gonna invite us to stand. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go into worship.